With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Cocktail Hour Fantasy Football Podcast by the Faceoff Sports Network. Good evening, everyone. I am your host, Emerson Beer, and I am happy to be joined by one of my fellow co-workers at the SGPN Fantasy Football Channel, Andrew Robb. How you doing, my friend? Good, Emerson. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. Uh, you know, we used to be hosts, co-hosts together back in the inception days of the newly branded fantasy football division of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. So, you know, it's uh, it's it's not unfamiliar territory to be with you, but, uh, you know, it, it has been a little bit. So uh, glad to be back on. Absolutely, my friend. That's what you stole my thunder. That's exactly what I was about to start going into a little story that uh, before I had hosted any podcast, it was the first podcast that I had ever done was with you. And I well, I think it was one of the first podcasts you'd ever done too, correct? Yeah, it was the first podcast I ever done. I had yeah, uh, me too. I'd been yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, I'd been on with like Sean and Kramer of uh, SGPN, uh, but never like hosted or co-hosted with anyone. So yeah, man, you were uh, you, you took my uh, podcasting virginity. Uh, <laughs> for you too, my friend. So it's great to be chopping it back up again. I do. I've listened to us a lot since then. I I think we've cut out a lot of the us since that first podcast, if I remember correctly. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was bad at first. Uh, and ums, a lot of those. I, I'll still hear myself do it, but it's like when I'm deep in thought and I'm like trying to figure out how I want to take a direction. But yeah, man, it's it's far and few in between now. Oh, gosh, I left for a second. Hopefully I'm back now. I, I, I'll tell you this. I was having internet connections with Bruni last night when I was doing the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast. Oh, my goodness. I don't know what the deal with my internet is. Apparently, I need to step it up to that, that just plug it right into the computer because I hear that's what the pros do. And I guess that's where I'm at. My internet has, has been letting me down these last couple of days. And I think we'll be getting into some players that will probably be letting us down in fantasy drafts here. But we'll dive into it. I wanted to talk. Of course, one of the probably most, the highest volume best ball drafters out there, you that I figured we would dive into best ball. What else would we be talking about? So how many best ball mania drafts before we get into it? How many best ball mania drafts? How deep are you in right now? Uh, I think I have 106 right now. I was going to be maxing out. I don't think I'm going to. Unfortunately, there were some financial uh, issues that came up that I had to take care of some other uh, unexpected things. So I think it's going to kind of negate it a little bit. Um, plus, I'm going out to Vegas for week one, signing up for the Circa Millions, uh, doing a FFPC main event draft. So just kind of uh, it, it all added up real quick. So but I do have about 106 BBMs in 
I may get to 110 before it's all said and done, but that's a, it's probably about it. I, I did, you know, I've done a lot of drafts on underdog, but for best ball mania alone, just, just about one of six. Brother, I don't know how you do it anyway, man. I, I max out on the puppies. I'm a baller on a budget is what I tell people. I, I'm a, I'm a five, I like those $5 drafts. The $25, it's a lot. I mean, how much is that? Let's do 25 times 150. What is that? That's got to be, that's, uh, that's a lot. What? Three, over three thousand dollars, seven hundred and fifty or something like that. I think. Yeah, that's a lot of money. I, I, uh, so I completely understand. I can't, I can't max. I've done about twenty-five best ball manias. I, I didn't even did less than last year. I just keep maxing out on all the smaller tournaments. Although I think, I think they're going to be driving. They haven't been releasing any other tournaments, so they're going to be driving me to do best ball mania these next few days. So. I, I did hear through the grapevine that they're probably going to drop one more smaller contest before it's all said and done. Cause I think everything else is filled up. Both eliminators, I believe filled up now. Um, so I think we just have BBM out there, but I I've heard through the grapevine, there might be another puppy or something like that coming out. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about best ball mania. And then, you know, I'll, I'll be talking a little bit. That's where we gravitate toward, but I, I'm going to ask you a little bit, maybe about the DraftKings and FanDuel aspect as well, because they also have larger tournaments that people play, but to begin what made you gravitate toward best ball? I know you you talk some dynasty with Justin on the on the podcast, but is there what made you gravitate toward best ball in particular and become an expert kind of in this field? I mean, it's the best thing about fantasy football uh, in my eyes that, you know, and it's the best thing about fantasy football and you get to negate all the worst things, you know, having to do the weekly waivers becomes, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in like 12 redraft leagues uh, and it just waivers become a chore on Tuesday night sometimes. Uh, so best ball is awesome because you can just draft the team. They don't have to do anything with it, right? It's, it's literally the best part. I mean, I don't know about you, but I love building a team. So the draft, you know, really pulls me in. And again, with best ball, you don't have to worry about doing any kind of waivers. Uh, you know, if injuries happen, you don't have to worry about replacing them. It just auto puts in somebody, uh, you know, somebody else's points. So it's just, uh, it, it's, it's the best part, honestly. And I love just sitting down at night knowing I can just do a draft real quick. And then, and then that's it. I just watch it either completely fall apart or uh, potentially win me some cash. That is, I've so much enjoyed myself too, for that exact reason. I'm in like 35 dynasty leagues. Oh my God. <laughs> I was a COVID drafter. And then I just don't like quitting. So I've kept with it. I have many of my leagues. So yes, I love nothing more than jumping into some underdog best ball drafts where all I have to do is spend that 40, 45 minutes doing a draft and then forget about the rest of the year. Volume draft, just watch that money hopefully accumulate. Although last season I was, I was very, I killed it during the, a playoff challenge that you know the playoff brackets I, I was crushing it in those although the best ball most of the large tournaments i, I broke i definitely broke even i think i made like a thousand dollars but it's considering how many drafts i did it was like it probably wasn't that great but this year I, i'm hoping to have a little bit more luck we're going to be diving into specific strategies here just to begin going off some overarching tips you know I just wanted to ask you about, especially for some maybe beginner drafters who are coming into this season and maybe just getting into some best ball drafts. You know, there may be more of a casual drafter and just hearing about this. What is your opinion on some more typical types of roster construction, how you've been going into this year? You know, maybe how many, where, where are you going at the positions in, in the draft quarterback, wide receiver, running back, and how, maybe how many players are you getting at that position too? 
Uh, I guess the you know that's a twofold question. First, depending on how many drafts you're going to do in a specific tournament, uh, you know that that if you do a lot, then I like to go all over the board. Uh, you know, make sure I do early QB, do late QB, do a couple of the middle ones. Like it, I just like to mix it up. That way, I kind of ex, you know expose myself to more players and have a good portfolio in the best ball streets. But if I was you know going to talk to somebody who maybe only wanted to put in a couple hundred bucks and you know just do you know a couple different tournaments, honestly you know make sure you have some my guys, guys that you you know definitely like, you feel comfortable with drafting. I try to make those guys guys that are good uh, ADP values if at all possible, and I believe we're gonna get into some of those players later on, so I won't you know talk about them now, but. Um, you know, it, it, that's really the biggest thing is, you know, make sure you have fun with it. You're spending your hard earned money, you know, have fun doing it. Take some of the guys that, that you like, um, you know, outside of that, you know, some of the tips I have for people is like, I'm not a take, if it's not a super flex league where you can start two QBs, I never take four quarterbacks. I don't think that that's optimal whatsoever. Uh, two or three is where I'll stick. I have a couple of ones. Uh, I think two teams with Mahomes as my only quarterback and one team with Lamar Jackson as the only quarterback uh, kind of got, you know, in those drafts, I didn't really mean to do that. I kind of got pushed out at quarterback where I felt comfortable and didn't really want to take anybody else at the end of the draft. Um, you know, so, so I don't, I'm not an advocate for four quarterbacks. I'm also not an advocate for four tight ends. I know that there is some data showing that four quarterbacks or I'm sorry, four tight ends can get you uh, you know, decent advance rate. I think two, if you're taking an, an elite one, Three, if you don't, uh, that that's kind of you know my standard rule of thumb for the tight end position, uh, you know. And then obviously, I, I just try to get the best value on players. Um, you know, I, I also don't like to take players that have been steamed up the board, especially if I have a decent exposure of them at a better ADP value. You know, we're gamblers at heart. You like to get the best number you can. So that's something I tell people: like, watch those guys that are really pushing up the board. You know, kind of fade them a little bit. Uh, you know, don't don't be drafting them a lot at that current ADP because they were already down the board. Uh, you know, a little bit like Alexander Madison. That was somebody I was taking before the whole Davlin Cook ha thing happened. Then, you know, insert him leaving. Madison got steamed at the board. And I kind of just started to fade him a little bit where he was going because I had a decent exposure before. Um, you know, I, outside of that, as far as tips, really just, um, you know, take take running backs from, you know, all, all the regular fantasy tips that, that you would give people. Take running backs, you know, mostly from teams that going to get good uh, high value touches to them you know, kind of fade some of the teams that don't throw a lot with their receivers, different things like that. But, um, you know, overall, just make sure you're not uh, completely bombing your team with, uh, you know, uh, like weeks that they're all on buys as well. That is not optimal, you know, because obviously you're going to take a very low point total that week. But, um, you know, outside of that, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. All right, I'm back. I'm back again. We're going to be taking a little few second pauses here. Might have to do a little bit of editing in the post-production here. But, man, I don't know what's up with my internet today. I, Andrew, you'll just, have to, you'll just have to hold it down for a second if I cut out for a few seconds. Um, yeah, man. This is uh, – yeah, I don't know what's been going on the last couple of days. My goodness. Internet's fine. I guess I got to kick my roommates off the internet apparently. <laughs> but like I was trying to say, I did think you brought up an interesting point. Alexander Madison, if you didn't get in on that later ADP, that's going to be really tough because you already had people getting him at RB 30 to 40 early on in 
in the year, especially in best ball mania, you can take him when these small, you know, in these tournaments that only last a few days, a week, two weeks or something like that, like the puppy or something like that, you can take, you can draft Alexander Madison. Absolutely. But it's something like the best ball mania. That's certainly something you have to pay attention to. James cook is a player like that. Deontay Johnson, maybe even a player that I love and, you know, I'm sure Justin has talked about plenty on his podcast too. You know, oh yeah, I'm, a lot of I'm on the DJ train as well. Love yeah, DJ. Exactly. him. Yeah, Justin and I were drafting the shit out of him uh, much later than he's going now. Yeah, exactly. And when he was going to like wide receiver 39, it was like ridiculous. So you know, it's hard to it's hard to make up that ground when you when you're now taking those players at a much more heftier cost. So going into maybe maybe diving into maybe more polarizing positions like tight end and quarterback when are you selecting these players in your underdog drafts are you pushing either of these positions later on are you drafting looking for a player at these positions that can be a little bit more difficult to judge early on in drafts uh, I guess for me, it's more player over position. If I have a uh, really good feeling about a player, I don't mind taking him early. Like, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey. I mean, look what he did last year uh, as the tight end one. I mean, he scored, I mean, what was it, like 90 or 100 more points than the second closest tight end? I mean, that's just absurd. I really feel good about Kelsey again. I mean, uh, why, why not, right? So, like, a lot of people try to fade that tight end in the first round. I don't mind taking Kelsey, um, you know, from 6 to, to 12, you know, wherever he falls. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't really have a like draft a certain position here. I do think that it's more about value to me. So if there's guys like later in the draft, like I'm a big Jahan Dotson guy, Zay Flower, like some of those guys, they, their their ADP is friendlier than grabbing some of these top, uh, you know, top tier wide receivers. So I don't mind taking a good wide res- or a good running back early, or if I want to go a good quarterback, you know, just finding those values later in the draft. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's just guys over positions for me. Um, you know, it, it really depends. Like, there's really good – there's guys I really like at the tight end position that I don't need to take Kelsey, uh, but I do feel like it's still a good value to get him. Um, I mean, again, he he's just awesome. He's just, you know, just a fucking unicorn. So, it, it really depends. I, I Again, I don't go into a draft thinking like, all right, I definitely want to take wide receiver, wide receiver, then get a running back, then get a quarterback. Like, I, I just – I kind of, like, let the board tell me kind of which direction and then after i take like five six seven picks then i'll really know how my draft's going to go and what to do at that point do you, do, when you tr- take travis kelsey do you feel obligated to take patrick mahomes with the second pick since i've done so many drafts no um if i am only going to be taking uh you know doing you know i don't know like 20 bbms if i was like in that market then I probably would more often than not, because uh, again, if, if Travis Kelsey's awesome, Mahomes is probably awesome as well. So it kind of correlates. But no, I mean, it, you, I don't feel like you need to uh, if you're going to be doing, you know, a, a hefty amount of drafts. See, yeah, that's what I mean. It's just like I know that these combinations have been successful, but they haven't been any more. But they, it's unlike any other year with these kind of stacks. Like Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes is a first and second round stack this year. That that they have to really really pay off. And Patrick Mahomes in particular, I'm a Kansas City Chief fan. You know that. It's right over here in my background. I love my Kansas City Chiefs. However, I have Patrick Mahomes as quarterback four in my rankings, which may be, this may be a hot take. I think okay. he's the best quarter. I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL. However, you're just going to be weeks fantasy wise. He's going to be playing better on the football field than he is on the stat sheet. You know, is he's going to be six li- point or four point. I have that's four point. Okay. Where is he for you for you in six? He I, I I would move him just ahead of Lamar Jackson. I have Lamar Jackson okay. as my quarterback three. 
I have Jalen Hurts as my quarterback one. Josh Allen is my quarterback two. Yep. It's very close. However, I just like the rushing upside that these guys give a little bit. And these guys actually have a little bit more juice on the weapons, too. So there's a lot to like about these offense. Patrick Mahomes is going to be expected to lift this offense every single week with Travis Kelsey, of course. It's a strong offensive line, too. I know the tackles have changed, but I don't think – I know I was I was listening to a great offensive line podcast on Player Profiler with Matt Kelly, and I forget his offensive line expert. I'm really bad at names. But they were talking about – Is it Pat Thorman? It, you get, I'm pulling it up now, but they were talking about how I, the, how the tackles being replaced this year were, you know, was kind of a question mark for Kansas City. I guess what I, Andrew Wiley was not very good, and neither was Orlando. Oh, Brown. don't tell me that he, he's he's a bringover with Eric Bieniemy to Washington. <laughs> uh, Andrew Wiley, I mean, yeah. you can't be paying him very much, are you? Mm, no, I don't think it was like a tremendous contract, but it was a decent enough one to get you know to, to lure him away. So I mean, Eric Dan, Dan, you know must feel good about him. Dan Fornick was the name of the offensive line expert. Okay. Um. So he they were talking about. I guess what Orlando Brown wasn't that great either. Orlando Brown's okay. He's a terrible athlete, and he could just get roasted on the outside. So I actually, I really think we upgraded a right tackle. But so I'm getting lost in a kind of a tangent here, but. Offensive line is very good, but Patrick Mahomes is going to be struggling. I think going to have some, maybe some just pedestrian fantasy outputs throughout the year, just trying to lift, lift this pedestrian wide receiver core. We will see, but I like the rushing upside of a few more quarterbacks. So the, the Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey stack a little bit pricey for me. One entry, other interesting note about this year's draft though, in particular is man, we used to see nine running backs going in the first round of fantasy drafts. We see the total flip now. It's nine wide receivers going in the first round of fantasy drafts. How has that changed for you this year? Just going way more wider. It's just the wide receiver pool dries up so quick, and the running backs that we used to see go in the first round are going kind of at that second and third round turn now. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm okay taking wide receivers early. Uh, I mean, you start three in in you know in underdog mostly so i uh, you know obviously you want to get good ones to fill those positions i don't mind fading the the running back especially if i'm in a room that i'm getting the sense that wide receivers are going to go early I'll, I'll just hop on the train usually too uh, a lot of people like to zig when people zag right but i, I don't want to fall out of contention for good for three good uh wide receivers so i i do i mean i see the the, the flip-flop of the, the running back and wide receivers going in round one uh but i think it's for a good cause uh you know again i mean look at the nfl the nfl is all about passing you know uh, predominantly anyway like it kind of makes sense that the flip has happened uh but i mean i'm fine with it i'm i've always been a kind of R zero rb hero rb kind of drafter so it, it fits perfectly for what i like to do um with that said if i get a good combination of running backs that fall to me early i, I don't mind taking it again you know doing so many drafts that kind of allows you to do that but uh yeah i mean i, I think it's for a good purpose and cause that the wide receiver should be going early. You know, I, I normally don't like to let other draft drafters dictate what I do in previous years, especially, but it's such a tidal wave this year that wide receivers are going early. You almost have to, because you know, that wide receiver, I think it dries up that wide receiver at 38, 39, 40 is when you see a steep cliff kind of at that wide receiver range where you get into a lot less reliable players and running backs, there's plenty of value later on. So you almost feel obligated to tackle that wide receiver position early 
get it settled, and then take advantage of those running backs that are going to be available later to you in drafts. One of the last overarching tips I wanted to touch on, though, with you is maybe you can talk about the phenomena a little bit that is stacking and why these newer players maybe who, you know, even myself sometimes, I fit, I try to fight it like and I do I, – I have gotten more contrarian. I do a lot. I do some value-based drafting this year just because stacking is becoming such a niche, such a popular thing. I think you can get some good values and drafts with people who are like, I can't take this quarterback. I didn't draft this wide receiver. So, uh, But why is stacking also though important, and how can it win you those big money weeks later on in the tournament? Well, for best ball, I mean, think about it this way, right? You're stacking with a quarterback. That means that you kind of have conviction with that quarterback that they're going to have uh, a good year to, to a great year to elite year, right? And if if you're right on that, you want to have some pieces that he's going to be passing to. Um, I'm even okay stacking, you know, running backs or wide receivers. I, I, I don't really shy away from any stack because you just never know. I mean, look what happened last year with the Chiefs and Jarek McKinnon. How many weeks did Jarek McKinnon like go off at the end of the year? If you would have just solely took Mahomes and receivers, you would have lost out on all that value. So, Earlier in my career and in, in my fantasy career, I guess uh, I was always the, like, I'm not stacking a running back with a quarterback. It makes no sense. Right. But it actually it, it's fine to do it. Uh, you know, the more I like researched into it, uh, it there's really not a a downfall to, to stacking any sort of position with a quarterback. Uh, so, I mean, the, you know, th that's essentially the over the, the high level uh, explanation is that you just you believe in that quarterback, you know, that they're going to have a good year. Like Kenny Pickett, I mean, obviously we all like Deontay Johnson, right? Like I think the Steelers are going to have a, a better year. Kenny Pickett can't be any worse with throwing touchdowns. So I, I, you know, I like taking Deontay Johnson or Pickens and then also taking like Jalen Warren with Pickett as well. Um, I've even done a couple builds where I took Pickett and took Darnell Washington just Firemuth would get hurt, you know, kind of being a little different um, as well than than what most people probably would draft with Pickett. But yeah, I mean, stacking super important in best ball, not as important in redraft. I do still like to do it, but only like maybe one or two. Uh, the other thing would be I, I found an interesting article, and I think it was by Mike Leone of uh, Establish the Run. Uh, forgive me if that's incorrect, but it talked about how many players you want to stack with a quarterback to kind of optimize um, you know, your uh, fantasy point potential and advance rate. Anything more than stacking three total t uh, players on a team uh, really lowers your odds of your advance rate. So let's say you would take, you know, Mahomes, MVS, Sky Moore, and Travis Kelsey. That's four total players. It's not optimal unless that team is like consistently scoring like 35 to 40 points a week. It's really not going to, you know, optimize your potential fantasy point total on a week-to-week -week basis. Having just two players stacked with your quarterback is actually the the best advance rate. Uh, so I, I try to remember that when going in. I don't always listen to myself because there's some um, interesting values that fall to you that kind of make you differentiate for, from what you were trying to to do. Um, but yeah, I, I just found that to be an, an interesting stat when I read that. It it's so tough with these these big tournaments, and I really I fight it too sometimes. Like I really have to, you know, I'm a value based drafter at heart. So you know, when I see these, I, I struggle sometimes. I'm like, I do have to reach for this stack, don't I? Like to get these players. I really love what you were saying about Pittsburgh. I'm a big Pittsburgh guy this year. Kenny Pickett's my most drafted quarterback, and I think I have him as a top 16 fantasy quarterback. I have him at 16 or 17. I think I have him at 16. 16 fantasy football quarterback this year. So I think a very solid super flex play and going to beat his ADP. It almost reminds me 
of the Lions offense last year. Maybe at the beginning of the year, they're getting their turns, but this is an ascending offense, great value in drafts. So I'm very excited about the Pittsburgh offense. I really liked how they looked against the Buffalo Bills in week two. Um, lastly, okay, la last overarching note here. The schedule is a little bit perplexing too. And speaking of the play, I think that Seahawks-Pittsburgh game in week 17 is going to be win a lot of people money this year. But why is also looking at the schedule so important? Because it's only one week out of the year. However, it is during those big money weeks when, you know, when it's at the most important time. And I guess it does turn into kind of just a def DM. Uh, Emerson will be right back. Oh, am I back now? Now you're back. Here he is. <laughs> God, where did I cut off? <laughs> uh, dude, I don't know. It kind of like started going in and out, and then uh, I just kind of lost it. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm already going to make a couple of You were talking about straight. the importance of the schedule, and then it kind of just cut off. Oh boy, yeah. I'm gonna have to make a couple notes for. Andrew I mean, I can just talk about the schedule because there's the, there's multiple things I, I look at on the schedule. First off, I have this on my desk. It's a uh, it's a 2023 schedule. It has all the nice stuff. I also have one behind me on the on the wall as well. Uh, but I like to look at it when I draft because so obviously a big thing that everyone talks about about the schedule is week 17 correlation. Uh, you know, if you're in BBM and, and all these finals, you're essentially playing a large DFS contest at that point. So you kind of want to treat it like a DFS a little bit, you know, week 17 correlation, want to make sure that you're getting players from games that are, you know, potentially could be high scoring. I know a lot of people on the, the Bengals and Chiefs, you, you mentioned the Seahawks and the Steelers, there's the Broncos and the Chargers, like there, there's a lot of good ones week 17. So that's something I look at. And I use that sometimes as a, a tiebreaker for myself when I'm choosing between players. If there's something that will week 17 correlate for me on my team. Um, you know, I usually try to go that route because I do think week 17 does matter. But I also think that week 15, 16 matter, too, because people forget that you need to win through week 15 and 16 to get to 17. So I will also look at that and, um, you know, kind of draw myself a roadmap for for certain things with certain teams. Uh, another thing I like to look at, too, is like bad weather games potentially towards the end of the year when you really want to count on some of your guys um, and one thing when I looked at the schedule this year that I found extremely interesting is about the Saints. One, the Saints have the easiest schedule in the NFL projected. Two, they don't play one single outdoor game from week six through week 16. Week 17, they play at Tampa Bay. So it won't even be a bad weather game unless there's rain. But from six to 16, no outdoor games away or obviously at home. That That's absolutely incredible to me. That made me want to draft Saints a lot more because like, uh, especially like Chris Olave and some of the pass catchers, bad weather typically lends to be a running back friendly environment. Uh, obviously, you know, them being inside is going to negate all that. So I, I really bumped up like Olave's numbers for me. Still not a Mike Thomas fan. Uh, I know that you, uh, you know that from our co-hosting days, I hate Michael Thomas, <laughs> but, uh, but that's something I'll look at the schedule. I'll just kind of look over it and just pick out some things that I think are beneficial for drafting certain players, uh, you know, in certain positions, but yeah, I mean, the schedule is super important. That's funny. You brought up Michael Thomas and I'll tell you this right now, Michael Thomas and Javante Williams. I was completely right about those players. Bar I think Emerson's Man, internet had too many cocktails. Cool. This is going to drive me crazy. God goodness. We're going to have to speed it up here. 
God, I'll tell you this. Just go if if I keep cutting out. But my goodness, I I don't know what is going on with the internet these last couple of days. I've I've gone picture perfect internet for like six. You know, I've never had this issue that I've had these last two days with this. So I'm gonna be having to call the internet company and have a lot of editing in this post production here. But <laughs> like I was trying to say about Javante Williams, Michael Thomas, my process was right last year. Michael Thomas was had the number two dominator rating in the NFL last season. He was used a ton in the offense when he was on the field. Javante Williams had the target share, had the rushing workload. Touchdowns were a total issue, though, because the offense was a disaster. Who would have predicted that in, in uh, with the Broncos? And then he tears his ACL. Process over individual players. I had it right. Gosh darn it. Um, but, God, the Internet's a little distracting tonight. I'm gonna, like I said, I appreciate you bearing with me, though. <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. Um. However, going into it here, like I said, we're going to keep going here because I guess I, my internet's only going to give me so long. Um, what is the main differences you say between we've been focusing on underdog? However, for the people on DraftKings and for the people on FanDuel, what are some is there some differences in the tournaments that you see? So I'll be honest, I have not used FanDuel at all. Um, I do not play on FanDuel. I'll sports I game on FanDuel, but hardly use. Yeah, it. don't. Don't really do that. So, so let's take Fanduel out of the equation for this one. Um, I have used DraftKings. Uh, I'm predominantly on underdog, like 95% underdog for sure. I just like their their format better, their platform, the user ability, the user interface, like everything about underdogs much better. DraftKings, the 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 best thing about DraftKings, if you are a sharp drafter, somebody who understands where players probably should be going, which again lends to underdogs ADP. I feel like their ADP is very sharp. Uh, when you move to DraftKings, you will see a tremendous difference. You can get way better values on DraftKings because I feel like there's just... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Not as many sharp players on there. There's more just recreational, like, uh, I'll, I'll throw 10 bucks in here. Instead of doing a couple of mock drafts, I'll do a couple of these drafts. And they're just picking players. And so so the, the values on DraftKings is so much better. But, I mean, underdog for me is just, it's just the better platform. If you want a good experience with drafting, it's definitely on underdog for me. Um, I do think, you know, another difference between the two is like their contest underdogs, best ball mania, 600 and you know, whatever thousand uh, teams drafted uh, on DraftKings, the, the, I think it's the, the million maker or whatever it's called their, their big tournament. It's like 1.1, like million teams in there. So like the, the difference between the amount of teams that you have to beat as well, it's different. So there, there's little nuances, but it's, it's definitely underdog over all of them for me. I totally agree with you. Underdog makes it so much easier. The interface is so easy. It's so easy to deposit money. I love underdog myself. Going over to a 
non non best ball related question really quick in the chat itty bitty south city wants us to check out his team he's got a long list here gino headlining at quarterback chase Devonte smith Najee harris dulcich dj moore dotson some some riffraff there um i'll tell you this right now i do like so i like the headliners of course at the quarterback and the two top wide receivers love Najee harris I have a couple question marks about the second running back, Akers. He was already in the doghouse last year to tear behind a really bad offensive line. And a Greg Dulcich. This is the hot one right now that is Greg Dulcich going to even be the tight end one in Denver? Reports are Adam Trotman is just a, you know, a better blocker, you know, just a better fit for the offense potentially. Maybe Greg Dulcich is, is kind of like – that tweener role just kind of, kind of can't find a specific role in the offense because he's just his size just doesn't make him a great blocker. I think he could end up being a fantasy bust this year. And I was concerned about that earlier in the offseason, just transferring to a new coaching staff, young player like that who had a great one, just one great season. You don't know how that's going to transfer. What are, what are some of your thoughts on this roster? Yeah, I, I like it. Um, you know, I'm fine with Gino. Love Chase and Devontae Smith. Najee's, you know, fine in my eyes. I, I'm I'm with you. I don't like Akers or Dolchich. Um, I those are avoid players for me. I will not draft either one of them, uh, which I have not drafted a lot of them either in best ball. Uh, DJ Moore's good. I love Dotson. Love that pick. Renfro's eh. If I I would like Renfro more if he gets traded. Uh, Elijah Moore, Jeff Wilson, Ferguson, those are all fine as well. I honestly think that he'll probably be hitting the waiver wire early on uh, on tight ends here until Ferguson really gets you know his feet wet in the Dallas offense. But, I mean, overall, not not a bad team. It is 14-team as well, so we do have to keep that in mind with where he was picking. Oh, I, I but, really wasn't thinking about that. That's true. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think it's a better 14-team um, one than, than, than a 12 for sure, but I'd like to see the board to see who was around the Dolce to Acres one because I think he could have pivoted there. But uh sneaky one on this roster, though, Jeff Wilson. Uh, depending on what the, the uh, Dolphins do at running back, Jeff Wilson pick could be very good. Jamie, I'm sorry, Jamie. I think I started early on you. I forgot to change the timer. I'm sorry, Jamie. Our friend, uh, our best listener, of course, I'm sure he checks you. I know he checks you guys out a lot, of course. He always, he gets on me about the timer. I, I, I start late on him. I start early. I can never, he's always, he counts on my timer and I let him down frequently. Uh, we're diving into Itty Bitty South City's team though. And we were also talking about best ball tonight. We've just gone over some overarching tips, Jamie. So a lot of stuff that you already know as a frequent underdog drafter, just thoughts about stacking the schedule, things like that, why it's been so wide receiver heavy this year. But we're going to be getting into more specific stuff here in the second half of the show. Getting into the size of the tournaments here, is there a different strategy that you deploy depending on the size of the – we're talking about large tournaments in general here, but is there a different – strategy that maybe you take if there's you know 50,000 players versus 100,000 players for example um not particularly no um maybe in best ball because it's a larger one I'll take some some unique end of the uh you know end of the draft like like the 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 picket to Darnell Washington thing like I don't know how many people are really going to pick Darnell Washington but I feel like it could make me unique so like every now and again I'll get a little unique with those like probably going to be less than one percent owned guys but i mean no like again there's just guys that i like in in a lot of these rounds and i just tend to kind of 
go towards the guys I like more or the week 17 correlation. So no, I, I don't really change my strategy per se. Now, depending on the contest, I will like obviously the weekly winners or the eliminator that underdog had those completely change the strategy, but size of the tournament, not, not truly in my eyes. You know, if there's, you know, it kind of reminds me of going back to DFS. If there's DFS lineups, for example, you, you know, if there's lesser, you know, there's less teams, you can be a little bit more generic. You don't have to be quite as unique. And that's kind of how I approach the best ball too, a little bit. I don't factor it in too much, but in best ball mania, particularly, you do have to get pretty unique because there is so many players in it. There's going to be a lot of every single kind of stack that you can think of. So you're going to want to get a little different, differentiate yourself a little bit in drafts and getting into that. How, how is your favorite way to differentiate yourself in best ball drafts? Because, yes, you are playing in larger tournaments where tons of people are going to have Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen, A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts. It's going to be, you know, the best wide receiver with every quarterback is going to be there's going to be a thousand other teams with that. So considering that, what are some ways that you maybe get unique in best ball drafts? Um, I mean, I, I, again, it's, you know, just taking guys at the end of drafts that I think people aren't truly taking a whole lot. I'll think about, you know, game theory a little bit. Uh, think about potential injuries, you know, guys that, uh, you know, we don't want to label them injury prone, but, you know, the matter of the fact are that they do get hurt a lot. So I'll look for guys that are their backups, uh, you know, different things like that. It, it really depends, you know, again, on the, the contest itself, you know, lends me to kind of go one way or another to try to get unique um, but yeah, I mean, for like just regular best ball, like regular best ball mania, nothing that there's, you know, any differentiating like scoring or anything. Uh, you know, again, like I'll just take, I'll take guys that I think that, uh, you know, could be in the lineups towards the end of the year. Uh, you know, like, uh, whenever I do, um, any kind of hurts, you know, stacking, any kind of Eagle stacking, like my go-to guys, Michael Wilson from the Cardinals. Cause that's what they play week 17. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people are taking Marquise Brown or uh, Trey McBride's another one. Like just just going off the wall a little bit. I I'm a big Puka Nakua guy uh, for the Rams. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll choose him decent amount, you know, because I don't think a lot of people are really taking Puka Nakua. I mean, when I talk to the like my buddies who are just regular redraft, maybe best ball here and there, like they don't know who Puka Nakua is like taking some of those guys that the regular people don't aren't really bought into yet or know about uh, Jerome Ford's another one. You know, I know that sharper guys are on Jerome Ford. Uh, some of the, uh, you know, regular people who are just doing redraft and stuff like don't really know who Jerome Ford is. I was actually just doing a guillotine league before I got on with you and was on uh, zoom with a bunch of people and uh, Puka Nakua went and guys, you know, people are just like, who in the hell is Puka Nakua? And like, so that makes me think like, okay, that guy's going to be low owned, you know, with a lot of these uh, recreational best ball players. Jamie, you're going to make me blush and cry during the chat. This is the best stream. I was telling you about joining with live. Thank you, Jamie. I appreciate that. And Jamie is staying away from the Cardinals, but Michael Wilson is completely free. Jamie is obviously a player profiler listener because that is all Matt Kelly can talk about over there right now. My boss over there, Michael Wilson, maybe the best wide receiver in Arizona. I have my doubts. I still think Marquise Brown is a He's the only guy over talent. six foot. I that's true. He's unique. And that's what I think gets a lot of his value. I was just about to talk about Pierre Strong, though. Jamie brings up that could I think Pierre Strong, I think Jerome Ford is the pure the, the truest backup to Nick Chubb. And if Nick Chubb were to miss time, I do I do agree. I think Jerome Ford could be the back to him. But I think Pierre Strong could 
niche his way into that kind of a different role in that backfield, take some of that pass catching work too. So that will be interesting to see. We're going to dive into some specific players though, because it seems like every year there's a big couple values in drafts that drive the winner to get there that, you know, they killed it on a couple players. So considering that we're going to go into positions that, you know, players that you can't get, leave your drafts without quarterback. What quarterbacks are you not leaving your drafts without this year? So if we don't take this to the, because obviously usually your most exposed quarterbacks are guys that are going towards the end of draft because you just tend to like some of those guys pick it. Uh, for me, it's how those guys. So I'll stay away from those because they're my most exposed, but it doesn't mean I necessarily need to have them on my team. I think I, I wrote down two quarterbacks here that I wanted to hit on real quick, and that's Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence. I have a tier of the top eight quarterbacks. After the top eight, in my eyes, it falls off the cliff. I ideally would like to take one of those top eight, um, you know, and that's obviously Mahomes, Allen, Jackson, um, Hertz, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Herbert, Justin Fields. I think that's eight, if I was counting correctly. So, like, there's uh, those two guys, though, I think are the guys that are going later than most of the quarterbacks at the top, but still feel like they have a finish of a possible, you know, quarterback one through three in my eyes. They could both do that with the offensive weapons they have, with their scheduling, um, you know, with the games that, that are going to be played. So, I, you know, those are the two guys that I really try to make sure I, I get a decent exposure to. Uh, in redraft, I definitely want one of those guys if I miss out on the top guys. Uh, but but it, for me, it's a tier of quarterbacks that fall off that I kind of really would like to take one of. But uh, Herbert and Lawrence definitely got to target. Bird I have is my quarterback five. And – I have him right neck and neck with Patrick Mahomes. It's it's very close between those two. I think I obviously prefer Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback, but I think Justin Herbert, I mean, you look around him. What does he have around him? He has Keenan Allen. He has Mike Williams. He has Quentin Johnston. Gerald Everett, not too shabby, tight end to Austin Eckler in the backfield. He has a lot more around him than Patrick Mahomes does. So I think the offensive situation is set up for success. Similarly to Trevor Lawrence, too, both those guys have some juice with their legs too. So I completely agree with that. Two guys posed for a breakout. Your running backs, I'll tell you this, Jamie's going to be excited to hear you talk about your running, your first running back here, uh, Roshan Johnson. Oh my goodness. Go ahead and tell, go ahead and tell Jamie why he loves Roshan Johnson so much. Uh, well, I know Jamie has definitely uh, been uh, – Oh, that's all he talks about, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, he finds a way I, to bring so. it in every time. <laughs> Roshan Johnson, uh, again, so we just, I literally just saw something today that said that Deontay Foreman might not even make the team. Roshan's ahead of him. There was last week, someone tagged me on Twitter, um, a report where like Roshan was like listed as like the fourth or fifth on the depth chart. Get that shit out of my face. There ain't no fucking way. Travis Homer is going in front of Roshan Johnson. Ain't happening. Roshan Johnson is a very good running back who was stuck behind maybe one of the most generational talents we've seen in college, right? Uh, it's, he hasn't been able to shine yet fully, I don't believe. This offense, uh, they're going to run a lot. We we obviously know that. They ranked, what, 32nd or 31st in pass attempts last year. Give them 20% more pass attempts, they still would have ranked like 30th in the NFL. So I don't think that they're going to completely flip-flop what they do. So I like the opportunities he could potentially get in the offense. Khalil Herbert is just a guy, in my eyes, good running back. But I, I don't think he's like going to just dominate touches. I think Roshan's going to show that, one, 
He's the best um, passing uh, you know, passing downs guy on the team. His uh, level of uh, like ability to pass block is extremely good as well. Uh, just love Roshan Johnson. Dude runs hard, has been all camp long, has been running hard in the preseason. I just think that he, at his value, his ADP value is tremendous. You could get the starting running back for the Bears going well later than a majority of starting running backs for regular teams. That's somebody I'm completely on. He's my second highest running back uh, right now in, in best ball. So, yeah, absolutely love, love Roshan Johnson. If he wins me any sign of substantial money, you will be seeing me wear a Roshan Johnson jersey next year. I knew Jamie was going to be excited about that. Uh, Roshan Johnson, I really like the talent, too. I've been leaning into Khalil Herbert a little bit just because Roshan Johnson's been so steamed up. But Roshan Johnson already claiming that number two on the depth chart, looking like a great pass blocker. I thought he would do all the little things to get on the field early. So I really like the value still. Who is your second running back, though, too? Because I think he is also a very intriguing player in the mid rounds of drafts. Yeah, again, uh, the guy I'm about to talk about is it's because of his ADP. And I know he's been steamed up the board now, but I got a lot of my exposure when he was, uh, you know, down in, in the 30s, all but 40s. And that's James Cook. So a few things about James Cook. One, uh, he he is the guy on the team. I don't care what anybody says about Damian Harris and all that. Yeah, is he going to lose some goal eye work to maybe Damian Harris and obviously Josh Allen? Sure. But we just saw them two preseason games ago, put him in for every single snap with Josh Allen except for one. He got all the red zone carries and scored a touchdown. So he's at least showing them that if they give him that opportunity, he's probably a good bet there. Now, are they going to put him in on the three or four yard line to kind of push through the pile? Probably not. That's not really his thing, but he's an explosive runner. I think he can rip off a couple of long touchdowns this year, kind of like Ken Walker did last year. That's in the realm of possibilities for him. He's on a great team. We love taking running backs from great teams who are going to score a lot of points, have a lot of red zone opportunities, have a lot of high value touches. In my eyes, James Cook fits all, you know, all that stuff, right? And he's just he's just a good overall back. He was a good back in college. I just I think that there's a serious RB1 upside for him. Um, it, it really is going to depend on the touchdowns for me. If he can get there touchdown-wise, if he gets doubled into touchdowns, I don't see any realm of possibility that he doesn't finish as an RB1 unless we just have a complete flip-flop of the NFL and everyone just starts running the ball a lot more. But yeah, James Cook should have got him. Should have been listening to Bruni and I back in the day. We were definitely on James Cook uh, back when he was being drafted well back, but you know, uh, back into the 30s and 40s for, for RBs. And he's been steamed up the board, but I still feel like he's at a decent value i will still take him where he goes now i love james cook too i was talking about him last season i drafted him a ton of dynasty leagues last year as a rookie i saw a guy who was a great pure running back and his efficiency metric showed it last year breakaway run rate crew yards per carry a juke rate whatever you want to look at he was fantastic it's just what I question maybe for RB top 12 running back is the fact he's, you know, just to candy, does he going to get that much work? Can he be, can he be that efficient on his opportunities? And of course, touchdowns will play a flat factor in that. Like you said, I have him more as a, I, I believe I had him at RB 20 or 21 in my most recent rankings, which does make him a very good value. I think, yes, if a couple more touchdown can go his way, you would definitely see him go a little bit earlier than that, but yes. Especially when he was going with that RB3 price tag, I was fully on him. He's getting steamed up a little bit, but I still think well worth it at his current ADP. Your your, your wide receivers are a little deeper. Are we starting off with a homer pick here? 
We starting off with a homer pick, Andrew. It, it is, but man, and it's kind of scaring me how much I like Jahan Dotson a little bit because now I see a lot of people like Jahan Dotson. I've been on Jahan Dotson. It, it, uh, obviously, ever since last year, you know, I, I said last year he was a candidate to get double digit touchdowns. The man has hands like glue, just does not drop the ball, he carries the ball around with him everywhere he goes. And last year, I mean, he he led all rookies, well, tied with Christian Watson, all rookies with touchdown catches at seven. And he missed five games this year. You know, we like to draft our, you know, uh, sophomore wide receivers. They usually have a jump in production. This year, uh, I mean, I can see, again, double-digit touchdowns. His over-under right now for touchdowns is four and a half at plus money. I've been telling everybody and their mother to put money down on that. That is an easy bet. Four, he seems to get five touchdowns. That That's just incredible to me that, that that's how low they think of the Washington offense with Sam Howe. I mean, he already has a touchdown in the preseason. Terry McLaurin now has this turf toe injury, which sucks for the team, but it's good for Jahan Dotson. I mean, you know, we've all seen it linger on wide receivers, you know, you can't really plant and and push off with that injury. So depending on how long McLaurin's dealing with that truly, I mean, it's just going to help Jahan Dotson case. And again, he's going at a round where there's not a whole lot of wide receivers going around him that I feel have a really, truly good wide receiver two upside. I don't think he can get to wide receiver one unless it's just lights out touchdowns for him. But I think wide receiver two is definitely, you know, in the realm of possibility for him and at the higher end at that. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a homer pick. But, I mean, and again, it's actually a double homer pick for me because I'm a Penn State fan. And he came from Penn State as well. So, double homer pick. But watch this man a ton. I know what his ability is downfield as well as in the red zone. He's just a kind of do-it-all guy. I know he's smaller, and that is concerning a little bit. But people said that about Devontae Smith, too, and, you know, look at what he did in his, you know, his second year. So Jahan Dotson, uh, the stock sign is pointing up for my man. Terry McLaurin still the wide receiver one in the offense though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, Terry McLaurin is awesome. He's ranked one in uncontested catches. Like this man is, is incredible as well. They have a very good duo at wide receiver. So Terry, when he's on the field is still the man. Um, but I think that it's going to get more of a closer share of, of the targets. I think that that is a realm of possibility this year. Uh, so I'm not saying to fade Terry, but Dotson's definitely a better value. God damn. J- Jamie, are you showing off your memory right now? My goodness. I think I mentioned that during one podcast once. I uh, Yeah, turf toe can linger. I had turf toe one time, and I swear to God, my t- toe hurt for like three or four years. Like for years I when that. I moved my toe. It was horrible. I think I tore like everything in there, but um, yeah, it was rough. And I'll tell you this. I think I probably had bad turf toe, but that is right. That's funny, Jamie, that you mentioned that. I, like I said, I think I mentioned that one time. So that's hilarious. Um, but Terry McLaurin, I am a little bit worried about that turf toe too. So that could lean into it. Um, love James Cook's. I, I can't believe Spiller was going ahead of James Cook and last year in drafts too. But I mean, that's what happens ahead of, ahead when you don't know what's going to happen in the NFL draft. You see those kind of picks every year. Kelvin Harmon, I remember years ago going as the one one in a dynasty rookie draft in February. I think he did he get drafted in like the seventh round or something like that. It was crazy. Ended up out of the NFL. Already retired. Um, and of course, yes, Jamie, I've seen you mention your custom Roshan Johnson jersey. You nuthead got. I hope I hope this guy's for your sake, Jamie. I hope this guy's very successful. My goodness, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Fully, fully invested in Roshan Johnson. I absolutely love it too. Um, we're gonna finish up with one more wide receiver, and you talked about this wide receiver a little bit earlier in the show, but 
Zay Flowers. Tell us why you'd like him in Baltimore this season. Love Zay Flowers. April showers brings Zay Flowers. All right. This man is electric. I love what he brings to this offense. You've got an old OBJ that in his own right is probably still decent, but can't stay healthy. They have Rashad Bateman, who's dealing with a foot issue. He's back at practice. But I mean, as we were just talking about, foot issues um, are not something that you want for a wide receiver that has to do everything they do outside of catch the ball with their feet. So I, I'm very concerned about the other talents around him outside of Mark Andrews. Uh, but Zay Flowers, I mean, you, I don't know if you've watched any of their preseason games, but this man is electric with the ball in his hands. I have tremendous value on him because he went much later than he's going now again like a guy i was on way early in the one dynasty league i am in he was my first pick at pick eight i believe or nine uh loves a flowers like this dude has the sky's the limit for zay flowers another guy i feel like can finish as a top you know top end rb2 maybe low end rb1 if if obj or rashad bateman's out uh, i think zay flowers is going to just take off I expect Lamar Jackson to have a very good year this year. Uh, obviously, I expect Mark Andrews to as well with Todd Monk in there. But I think they're going to throw the ball a little bit more than they have in years past. And I just – Zay Flowers is a, one of those guys that when you look at him, you're like, man, this dude can take it to the house anytime he gets the ball in his hand. He's not Tyreek Hill fast, but he's twitchy and electric. So absolutely love Zay Flowers. Still at his value where he's going right now. Tremendous value. I think I, so. Again, this ski team like I just did tonight was on Yahoo. I think he's pick 121. That's absurd to me. Like, he should be going way higher than that. He's my flex spot, uh, in that ski team league. And, uh, yeah, man, Zay Flowers is just tremendous. Jamie OBJ has two ACL toes with an injured debatement his whole career. Fuck yeah, give me Flowers. Yeah, man, it seems like Jamie and I could just co co manage a team together with all yeah, the players that good. we like. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I was a little bit down on Flowers after the landing spot in Baltimore. Like, I feel like some people were. I just have my – I still have my doubts about Lamar Jackson as an upper echelon passer. But just considering how it's going, you see him – I can see him – I can see that emergence as the wide receiver one in the offense maybe coming sooner rather than later. So that's – you know, that's positive. So if it's just – if he's – just maybe the second target in the offense after Mark Andrews. I do think that's great for his wife and he can definitely return on that wide receiver for value. We'll finish up here with the tight end that you really like a draft becoming another player that you, were you, were you on this player early on in the off season too, because he's being steamed up a lot too, as well. Sure was. Uh, yeah. And actually, so Sean and Kramer uh, of the sports gaming podcast network have a boss's bet. The first rendition of boss's bets. It is Goddard versus Waller total fantasy points. The loser has to ha wear a, just a mustache for as many days as points that they're beat by. So let's say Darren Waller gets 150 and Goddard gets 120. Uh, Sean would have to wear just a mustache for 30 days. Uh, love the bet. And I told them, you know, from the get-go that I, I'm all over Waller on that bet. I, there's just not too many tight ends that could potentially be the number one target on their team and, and the number one target in the red zone. Uh, there's very few of those guys. And Waller, to me, is one of those guys. I mean, we saw reports coming out of training camp that they had to get him off the field so Daniel Jones would throw to somebody else like that's a report I love seeing as a guy who has a lot of Darren Waller in best ball and definitely going to be investing in redraft as well. He just, he seems like a guy that 
could have double-digit touchdown production. Even with Daniel Jones not being a guy who throws a lot of touchdown passes, I do think that that changes a little bit this year as well. But, yeah, man, Darren Waller, such a good value, was going after all of those guys, you know, all the top guys, uh, in, you know, including Kittle, which I'm lower on Kittle than the average bear. Uh, so that's put, you know, pushes Waller up for me a little bit there uh, organically. But, man, just love Darren Waller. And I think that – I think he's going to play a little harder for this team. They, they seem to want him. They obviously traded for him from the Raiders and uh I mean he's just tremendous you know if he's at his best and not hurt uh I mean top three potential is is a realm of possibility for Darren Waller yeah absolutely especially when you consider the nature of the position the high volume that he's likely to receive I think he's right there in that conversation with Andrews and Hawkinson but then yeah I I would take him ahead of Dallas Goddard I like him ahead of Goddard um Kittle's a conversation Kittle although I, I like. I think I would take him over Kittle as well. That's how I have it in my current rankings, just because of the fact how Kittle has the opposite. It's Kirsten McCaffrey. It's Brandon Ayuk. It's Debo Samuel. There's a lot in that offense in a, what will likely be a fairly low-volume passing offense. It's hard to see Brock Purdy leading that. But we'll wrap it up here, considering my internet is going to cut out at any other second here. <laughs> Um, thanks for bearing with me and toughing it through that. It seems like we're on a pretty good stretch here, but I don't want to jinx it before we end up knock on wood. Uh, before we wrap up, is there, you know, what are you working on up, up at SGPN? Is there anything else that you want to shout out coming up? So obviously, uh, Bruni and I do podcast, uh, usually Tuesdays and Thursdays, sometimes just Tuesdays. I think it will be changing to potentially Mondays during the season. Uh, I will be dropping, should be out either tomorrow or the next day, season-long player prop parlays, uh, including, you know, sneak peek. There is definitely Jahan Dotson's over touchdowns, four and a half in there. Got some A.J. Brown over eight touchdowns, Mark Andrews over eight touchdowns. Like, there's some good parlays in there that you can throw a few shekels on and feel pretty decent about. So, We'll be definitely dropping that either tomorrow or the next day on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, outside of that, uh, we, we just completed draft day. Uh, you know, if anybody was watching that, what a tremendously cool thing that we, uh, you know, th that we get to do for a charity. So so that's just wrapped up. And man, honestly, going to be looking at these Battle Royales coming up. I know you and I had been uh, in the Battle Royale streets a lot for underdogs. So cannot wait for that to pop open. You will find me in there. Um I'm trying to think if there's anything else going on as well. I mean, there's so much stuff going on in the Sports Gaming Podcast. I can't keep my head straight sometimes. But uh, sneak peek, one thing that has not been released yet that is still in the works. I need to get full uh, approval to do so, but it looks like we're going to get there is I'm going to be doing a ladder challenge for the Sports Gaming Podcast Network on the NFL. If anybody knows what the ladder challenge is, it is turning $10 into $10,000 in 10 days. You're doubling up every day on your profits uh try to get as close to even money or more as possible a lot of it is taking a lot of these um like really low alternate lines like steph Diggs, 35 yards uh you know dallas goddard 25 yards like just different things like that parlaying them together to get plus odds uh and going from there so i think i will be getting the approval to do so and if so Hop on the train because uh, I feel feel pretty good about some some players this year that I think are going to start out with low totals that we'll be able to take advantage of. So help me help you turn ten thousand or turn ten dollars into ten thousand. Well, for everyone still sticking here, it looks like uh, Emerson has left me to be the host of the pod. <laughs> 
I can hear you. We cannot see you. I figured that yeah. you just dropped off and told me to run the rest of the pod. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, this is this this fucking internet, man. My God, I'm gonna hop off here before I have any more issues here. I guess the the, the camera is not coming back. So, thanks for joining me, everybody. We're gonna this debacle here, but. Andrew here certainly made it much better here, giving some expert best ball advice. Thank you so much, Jamie, in the chat. We appreciate you. And we will see you on the next rendition of the Cocktail Hour, where I will hopefully have a little bit better internet connection. Thank you so much. And take it easy, everybody.